Thank you for tuning in to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you are ministered to as you listen in. We hope you enjoy the sermon. To Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. In the next three weeks going into this drama, I want to simply ask you the question, Earth, then what? Earth, then what? If your life were to end today, what would you witness in eternity? Earth, then what? Matthew chapter 24, three verses from here I want to share with you just to launch this morning. Therefore, verse 42, therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think He will. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to catch a glimpse of heaven. Would you help us to catch a glimpse of eternity for our own lives and for the lives of people all around us? Would you as a church, Lord, begin to help us to see and focus on eternity? And we thank you for it. Thank you for your word that shows us and tells us and prepares us for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Eternity. Where will you spend eternity? What happens after death? What happens after you get to heaven? What happens after you get to hell? There's a lot of people who want to tell you to go to hell. But the very phraseology of you saying or someone else saying go to hell, they do not even know what they are saying with their mouth. What happens if you wake up in heaven or you wake up in hell? What goes on on earth after you're gone? Do you know over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of these topics. We're going to look at what the Bible says, not what I say, what the Bible says. Do you know that after the rapture today, we're talking about the blessed, blessed hope, the rapture of the church. Jesus is going to come when no man knows. In fact, the previous verses of what you just read state that not even, no one knows except the Father. Jesus is going to come back. And the earth is going to move on. Now, I don't know if you're pre-trib, post-trib, or you don't, mid-trib, whatever. I don't know. And some of you are like, I don't even know what he's talking about. Those that, who know what I talk about know why I'm saying what I'm saying. There's all kinds of arguments about eternity. There's all kinds of arguments about whether Jesus is coming back or not, or if he's going to, the rapture of the church, is that going to happen? Or is it actually just going to be when he steps foot on the Mount of Olives and it parts and he comes to rule and reign on his earth? But here's what I will tell you and what I do know is, number one, that back in the day, When Jesus was born, all the religious people missed it because they didn't even understand what the Word said. They missed the whole prophecies of it. 
They missed the whole thing. Jesus being born in a man. He had been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of him coming as a babe in a manger. As he lived on the earth and he walked on the earth, it's not just a biblical fact. It's a historical truth that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus was in a tomb, that Jesus resurrected, that there are records of him ascending, and people can argue with it all, but it's still a historical record. I've been to Israel and talked to the people. And there's always been those who said it's not going to happen and it didn't happen. The fact is it did. I'm saying to you today that Jesus is coming back. Don't miss it. That's what I'm saying to you. Let's just say what I'm about to preach to you, he's not going to come in the clouds, although the Bible says, and he's not going to carry the church out of here like the Bible says, and there's not going to be a catching away of people, and he doesn't. The Bible does say, though, he is coming back a second time, and he will not just catch his church away, but the next time he comes, he's going to step on the earth, and when he does, he's going to rule and reign, and this time it won't be as a babe in a manger. It's going to be as a conquering king who rides on a white horse, and he is going to wear it out the question is is do you want to be with him I've, I've, I've watched all those shows with swords you know big ones because the Bible says this is what we're going to talk about the next few weeks the Bible says that those that you if you're a believer are going to rule and reign with him that means you're coming back with him I don't know what color my horse is going to be. I don't even know if I want to be. See, I've had all these folks that I'm going to be like the Jetsons in heaven. How many of y'all remember the Jetsons? Some of these young kids don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm going, the Bible says you will not be limited any longer by a carnal body is what the Bible says. You will no longer be limited there that you, and we're going to read it in just a few minutes. That your perishable will put on the imperishable. And your mortal will put on immortality, which means you will live forever. The fact is, decisions we are making today determine eternity in our life. I am sad to say as a pastor that I don't preach this enough. But I am determined to wear it out, to preach about heaven and to preach about eternity because your decisions about eternity determine how you live right now. So when somebody says that Jesus is coming back on October the 31st, be assured it won't be the 31st. Because the Bible says no man knows that Jesus doesn't. The Father knows when that's going to happen. That whole deal about we were supposed to have been gone a week and a half ago or something. Look now, if you would, to Romans chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. You can look it up in your word or it'll be on the screen for you. Romans 8, 22 through 25. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we also, we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, 
even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the, our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is already seized? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. It's talking about the, the redemption of our bodies, the, the inheritance of our bodies, the, the adoption as sons of when we are with the Father, when we see and we are eternal and know that, that there's inside of us, there's something that says before you knew the Lord that says there's got to be something more than this. And then when you come to know Jesus, you realize there is something way a lot more than this. And the only way you understand that is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which says you do not comprehend spiritual things if you are not spiritual. That the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can help you to understand what is going on spiritually in your life and eternally. My dad preached a message a few weeks ago on that very subject from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you have not heard that message, even though he is my dad, I would tell you you need to get on our website, Center pointbg.com. Don't forget the E after T. Put it in there. Go and find Will Dearman and listen to the message. You say, I don't understand scriptural things. It's because you need to call on the Holy Spirit to help you, empower you, and fill you so that you can see and understand. There's a difference between being religious, being carnal, and being spiritual. You can be religious and carnal as all get out and never understand what I'm preaching right now. Just you're like, that's a bunch of bunk. The religious said it was a bunch of bunk too until he ascended and then they were trying to figure out how to explain it. The lost and the carnal didn't understand it either. But those who called on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit empowered them, Jesus said, it is only revealed by my spirit. You say, Pastor Dave, you're a weirdo. I will tell you this. If being a spirit-filled person who believes that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity who leads and guides and directs us and the Word of God is true is weird, then I'm reared. If it says that I'm a nut, I'm a nut. But I'm going to tell you one thing I don't want to miss is Jesus coming and missing heaven. That's what I don't want to do. The, listen, one of the greatest fears of my life that has kept me, even whenever I was so screwed up, is the very fact is I do not want to wake up in hell. You call me weak, call me a sissy, call me whatever, but one thing I do know is I want to see heaven. I want to see Jesus, and I do not want to see the devil face to face ever. I don't want to go there, and I'm going to do everything I can to stay out of there. I'm going to call on Jesus every day. What we see going on in our earth is a groaning. Hurricanes Earthquakes, vol volcano this morning reporting 120,000 people could be affected by a volcano in Bali, I think it was, that right now they're talking about evacuating. And I'm going to tell you, in my lifetime, I have never seen things line up like that, that hard. I've never seen such an absolute attack emotionally, spiritually, and everything where in, in whether it's sports, politically, personally, right down our street, a man passed away four doors down from this place that I just heard about this week. 
I'm going to say to you, church, that eternity is there. It is at the door of every one of our lives. The question is, earth, then what? There's a groaning. Our bodies yearn for something more. Even people who don't know Jesus, who are pushing away Jesus, something inside yearns and urges, desires something more. That There has to be something more than this. It's because you were made that way. It's because God made us in His image. As we heard Scott teach a few uh, weeks ago about that very thing, walking out of the garden. And I, I was just thinking about that message. I can still see him talking about that. How God made us at the very beginning and he breathed life and there's something about us that is eternal. It calls out for more than just going to work eight to five, working 60 hours a week, even getting a big check and then laying in our bed and wonder what am I here for? First Corinthians, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. First Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 50, it says this. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable, and the mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and the mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what that's saying? It says when you're laying on your deathbed and you close your eyes in death as a believer, that you wake up and you realize, well, death wasn't that bad at all. No, I'm serious. That's what that's that's. I almost said King David's version. That's not. That's David W. Dearman's version. You go to sleep, and if you know Jesus, the Bible says in the same chapter: to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That when you you're laying there with stuff all over you, all kinds of stuff hooking you up, they may hit you with the paddles, but the Bible says that when you wake up. The thing you have grown for your whole life that we just read in Romans chapter 8. The thing that you knew was something more than just going to work. You wake up in eternity and you say, that wasn't that bad. I'm glad I made it. I'm thankful to be here. Thank you, Jesus. Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and that God raised him from the dead and if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord 
that with your heart you believe to righteousness, with your mouth you confess, and you are born. You're a new creation. In John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, whosoever believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus did not come to send you to hell. Jesus came to rescue you from hell while you live on earth and eternally. He did not come to wear you out and beat you up and make you think you're going to hell. Jesus came to give you a way to go to heaven. And he says, if you'll believe in me and if you'll ask forgiveness and if you'll confess me as Lord, you will wake up in eternity and death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus wants to have victory through every one of us by knowing him. The best way, the best way, you kick the devil's tail in your life and you say, I'm sick and tired of the devil messing with me. Just live your life for Jesus. No matter what hell you're going through, just keep living it because you become an absolute torment to the devil of hell. You say, well, I don't believe in hell. Well, we'll get to that in a few weeks and we'll just read it from Scripture. Because as much as we shout about heaven, you can also wake up and realize, I missed it. We don't like to talk about hell because we don't like to talk about hell. That's profound, isn't it? See how theological that was? We don't like to talk about pain. We don't like to confess our sin. We like to hide our sin. We don't want to have to ask Jesus to help us fix it because we want to think we can fix it on our own. Your eternal destination can never be determined by you. It has already been determined by Jesus. It is the choice we've been given. Will we follow him or not? When we did this drama that's coming in a few weeks, which will absolutely put a picture in front of you, maybe not what it is, but what it could be. Because there's nothing we can do on earth that can tell you the magnificence of heaven, nor can anything tell you the torment of hell. But Scripture still says it. But when we did this drama before, listen, man, we took all kinds of heat because of hell. And we also took heat because we saw people going, showing people going to heaven instead of getting baptized. Or maybe because they didn't have an opportunity to speak in tongues. Because there are people who believe those things. But the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus, you're saved. Earth. Then what? First Thessalonians. Chapter 4, on the screen this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning verse 13, it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brother, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. 
For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have died or fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The Bible says that those of every one of your every one of your family members who knew the Lord, who have fallen asleep, and all the people for generations and history and years and years and years who have fallen asleep in the Lord, He's going to come back. The Bible says in the clouds. That's why I entitled this the Blessed Hope. It is the hope we have that Jesus is coming back. And the Bible says that all of those who have fallen asleep with Him, He's bringing with Him. Now, this is not when He comes back to whip somebody. This is when he comes back to get his church so all hell can break loose on earth. That's the reason why if you go to a funeral of a believer or you go to the funeral of whether somebody not know if they made a profession of Christ or whatever, why the feeling in the room is completely different. I've done hundreds of funerals hundreds of funerals and I can tell you I've walked in the room of people who have passed away that fast and not even know the family and I can tell you because of the spirit of God that's in a person you can walk in a room and knew if they were a believer or not you can walk in a room and be around the family and see if there's hope if they are encouraging each other with the word of hope knowing eternity had been decided and the difference of walking in a room and everybody's trying to figure out you can also listen to a man that preaches a funeral and tell if he's trying to preach somebody into heaven or if he has that he just know they live for Jesus Look at your neighbor this morning and just ask him, are you okay today? <laughs> Y'all are looking at me like, what? what? <sighs> Breathe. <gasps> Breathe. <sighs> There's nothing like the tension of an eternal decision. There's nothing. Like questioning in your own heart, do I know Jesus or not? It is the most important decision you can make is to determine not whether you tithe today or not, but will you serve Jesus and live for him? The most important decision today is not where you go to lunch or that we're going to Houston to work in the relief efforts. The fact of the matter is the most important decision today is if you were to close your eyes today and go to sleep, where would you wake up? Along with that, is if Jesus, let's just say, for example, that it's not true, the rapture's not going to take place, and we are turning, making an eternal decision. I believe that there's going to be, I believe there's going to be a catching away, that's what I'm preaching about, of the church before. It could be those that are still alive, and 
we're out of here and those that are dead pop out of the grave and go first. That's what the Bible says. Graveyards will burst open as bodies that have been laid to rest, whether they have been cremated or just laid there, will come back together. For they died perishable, they become imperishable, they died mortal, they are immortal, and they come out of those graves and they're gone out of this world. And I can tell you, you know why this whole mess is going on politically and media-wise? Do you understand what this is all about? It is a setting up of being able to explain when the church is called out of here, they will be able to spin anything to make anybody believe anything, and it'll be the church is gone. And the world would just go on like nothing happened. Like, I don't understand why 17 million people disappeared out of the area of Tennessee and Kentucky and Louisiana. I don't know why they disappeared. And they'll begin to spin it. And you can see it right now on the news. You will believe anything if they tell you. And it all just cycles around. It's not about Donald Trump or about sports or about anything else. It is because it is setting up when Jesus comes back, they're going to have a way to explain the mess that's going on. If you know Jesus, you know the best thing about it is we won't care. <sighs> you say, y'all, you're just an escape preacher. You better believe I am. Why do you think we put that door right over in that corner you can't see? If y'all get mad at me and start chasing me, I'm going to disappear. I'm going to escape. I'm gone. I got a way. You don't know how to get through the basement. I know how to get out of there. You better believe I am. I pray every day, Lord, let your church, you come and get your church. I'm ready to escape this mess and start sharpening my sword to come back and to the earth when you come back later and kick some tail with you. Because there are many days now I feel like I'm getting my tail kicked. Hear me? If you know Jesus, this is the only tail kicking you're going to take. Okay, now tell your neighbor, I'm better now. I'm better now. Jesus is coming back. So what if it's not true and you miss it? Go get all the left behind books that Tim LaHaye wrote about 20 years ago and start reading them jokers. I'm going to finish with one other verse. Titus chapter 2. Verse 11 through 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Listen, just let's read it again. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself for us to redeem us, to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things we speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. We're going to read it one more time. For the grace of God, listen church, 
before you leave to go wherever you're going to go. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. No matter what you've done, Jesus came to redeem your life from every deed of sin and lawlessness you've ever committed. Jesus came to do away with it and you can find forgiveness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority and the last Five words are really important. Let no one disregard you. It means don't let anyone just dispel and put you aside for what you believe or what you're saying, but stand for what you believe. Stand for what the Word of God says, and don't let anybody disregard you. Look for Jesus and be ready to be His possession and deny ungodliness in your life. When the Holy Spirit, not when some Christian comes along and tells you what you need to get rid of, do like Jesus did to Peter. I rebuke you, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Let the Spirit of God show you what. As you're in here and preaching like this, I can watch this crowd and look in our eyes as we preach a message about the coming of Jesus and see that the Lord begins to deal with us and deal with me as we're preaching and saying, Lord, what area of my life is ungodly? Because I want to be your possession. That's what, it, what it's saying is when Jesus comes back, it's going to be like he's bringing your watch. The very thing you hold on to, the, where'd my watch go? Where's my watch? Where's, you forget your watch. Jesus is not going to forget you. The Bible says that if you have accepted Jesus, you are his possession. And he is purifying for himself a church that will be his. And he's not forgotten you. He knows right where you are. And he's going to bring you back with him. Oh, I know. There are those that don't believe. I know that there are those who are going to call you and me crazy. But call me crazy. Because I want to be ready when Jesus comes back. Call me dumber than a rock. Call me weak-willed. Call me ignorant. Call me whatever you want to call me. But I want to be ready if Jesus comes back. Etern Earth. Earth. Then what? Do you know Jesus, man? The second thing is, is are you saying, Lord, I prepare me to be ready to be your bride. Help me, Lord, that area of my life that I know needs to be cleaned up. Lord, I pray that you touch it. Lord, help me to grow. When you're worshiping, man, and you stand there and you talk about giving yourself as a sacrifice of praise, the Holy Spirit, you know what you're doing? You're only preparing yourself to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords face to face. When you're in His presence, all you do is tune it up. And you say, Ooh, Lord, I thank You. You're getting your motor running for whenever the rapture takes place and you're out of here. Listen to me this morning. I close. Scott and the team, you can come back if you would. Ushers, you can begin to prepare for the communion we're going to receive in just a minute. You hear what I'm saying? My wife is home today with our nine-year-old daughter who's really sick. 
And she knows this, and I've, I've told this, and we've, we've talked about this. If me and this group of people, there's three vehicles leaving at 1 o'clock today, going to Houston to work, you hear me closely. If those cars were to be hit, and we drastically be taken out of this life, and if this is the last message I preach, I want you to shout all over this place. He preached one about the rapture. You hear me? Cry a little bit. And rejoice a lot. Because the fact of the matter is, we do not sorrow like those who have no hope. But we have hope to Jesus. If we were taken out, there would be another pastor that would come on. The fact is, just know, we closed our eyes in this life. And we woke up in heaven. The second thing about that, and I'm not prophesying that's going to happen. We're going to drive slow. Don't do well, oh God, no, Lord, don't, no, Lord, don't let Pastor Dave and them car, Lord, don't let their car be. Don't walk in fear. That's of the devil. Forget that mess. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying today that that's the worst thing that could happen is just waking up in eternity if you know Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't it be fun to be raptured right out of a church service? Or while you were at home, just boom, you're out of there. You're out there working in the garden or you're playing ball or Scott's playing his instrument and these guys are playing the drums and we're praying y'all go. Well, no, I'm teasing. They will. They love Jesus. Wouldn't it be something? The Bible says if you die, you wake up in heaven. But the Bible also says that he's going to come and kill. Could you imagine you, it wouldn't even matter if you're afraid of heights because your immortal body will not be hampered or caused by anything that's earthly and natural. Would you bow your head and close your eyes in this room? We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon here at Centerpoint. For more information, visit us at centerpointbg.com.